What's going on? What's happening, everyone? Welcome back to the Section 2 show presented by Capital Sports Media Network. From high school to the pros, CSMN is the Capital Region's home for everything sports. This is host of the Section 2 show and founder of CSMN, Kyle Milligan. First, I want to take a look around Section 2, the past and the present. It was a Shenandoah show last night in New York when it comes to professional sports. Shenandoah graduate from right here in the Capital Region and now MLB pitcher Ian Anderson of the Atlanta Braves absolutely mowed down my New York Yankees squad that is still struggling to say the least. Anderson went six and two-thirds innings, four hits, four walks, four Ks, and of course a win as the Braves beat the Yankees four to one. Anderson now sits comfortably at a 3.27 ERA in just four starts so far in this young MLB season. Kevin Herter, another Shen graduate in his third season for the Atlanta Hawks, was great at Madison Square Garden last night to take on the Knicks, who are winners of eight straight now. Herter had 17 points in 44 minutes in an overtime game, but it still wasn't enough to beat a soaring fourth-seeded Knicks team. The Knicks won 137-127. to Man, the Knicks are a fourth-seed. That's kind of crazy. And Jordan King, former CBA basketball guard, is committed to East Tennessee State University. King, after two years at Siena, entered the transfer portal and will now compete for the Buccaneers down in Tennessee. As you look around, a bunch of senior games are taking place recently with the fall and spring sports seasons coming to a finish here. I want to congratulate all those seniors who are working hard and finishing up their high school athletic careers. A quick shout-out to two seniors covered by CSMN Section 2 writers recently is Hagen Foley, CBA, Class of 21, preparing for What's Next by Russell Phoenix, and Cohoes Andrea Muscatello, Class of 21, dominates while preparing for SUNY Delhi by CSMN Section 2 writer Megan LaPlante. And you can find those stories on Instagram and Facebook at Capital Sports MN. And you can also find those stories at our website at CapitalSportsMN.com. Speaking of senior athletes here in the Capital Region, I have one here with me today. Albany Academies and soon-to-be Boston College's standout swimmer Bryce Henkel. Bryce, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, Kyle. I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well, man. Let's get into it. A lot to get into today, and I'm so excited to chat it up here with you. First, so far, the Section 2 show episodes have consisted of these sports, basketball, baseball, and football, I figured it was time to, you know, challenge myself more and find an athlete in a sport I'm not as familiar as. And, you know, who is better to speak to and learn from than, you know, the best in the area at what you do? Now, I'm sure many of our listeners here right now are also not as familiar with the swimming as they are with sports that we have already covered so far in these nine first episodes, and that's okay because I'm in the same boat, and I don't want to forget to mention (laughs) the fact that we have an article up on you, Bryce Henkel, and your dominance as a swimmer for Albany Academy. A great write-up by CSMN Media Manager Jaron Frangie. And if you, any of you are listening had the chance to read it, it did a great job of not only explaining Bryce's success so far, but it also explained uh, the competitive sw- competitive swimming in general. If you didn't have the chance to read it, don't worry. We got you covered here. Listen to Bryce Henkel today. Try to dumb this down a little bit for me. Bryce, one thing I know is swimming has always been a summer refresher for me, not exactly a lifestyle or a sport. <laughs> Tell me, how and when did you get that competitive spirit when it comes to swimming? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, well, I mean, when I was, I started swimming competitively, competitively when I was only four years old, uh, just on a local summer league team. And I mean, I guess just kind of being in the water and racing from such a young age just kind of set me up with that competitive nature and that uh, competitive spirit for not only swimming in the future, but kind of for just, you know, everything in general over the years. I mean, growing up throughout elementary and middle school, I played, you know, a number of different sports like baseball, basketball, soccer, just like, uh, I mean, just kind of regular rec sports that, that any kid would play, I guess, growing up. But, you know, throughout everything, I mean, I've always been a pretty competitive person. And I guess it just translated into the pool pretty well. 
Yeah, so what made it a competition rather than a hobby, you know, because for most people, swimming is a hobby. Now, it is a sport also. And, of course, everyone has a hobby. You know, you go outside and shoot basketball and stuff and play football, mm-hmm. but swimming is a whole nother level. Like, how do you make that a competition rather than a hobby? Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, it really just is not a hobby to me, like swimming in general, I guess. I mean, like, you know, it's nice to in the summer, you know, just like chill in the pool, I guess, and cool off. But, you know, it's not necessarily like I'm always too excited to like jump in and just like just swim around with my friends because, you know, uh, I'm just so used to being in the water. Now, in that article, it explains just the absolute dominance that you have had. And Jaron made sure to mention that if it weren't for COVID-19 canceling a lot of your swimming events, the award list would be even bigger than what it already is. And 2019 and 20, Section 2 Swimmer of the Year, 2020 All-American, 100-meter Butterfly, 2021 All-American, hopeful in three events, 14-time Section 2 Champion, three-time Section 2 Record Holder, and 2020 New York State Federation Champion for the 100-meter Butterfly. I mean, the list goes on. This is just naming a few. What kind of mindset determination and sacrifice has it you know took to become this dominant at what you do kind of back to uh, uh what we were talking about earlier with that competitive nature i mean uh that's kind of the base of it i guess i kind of just every day when i show up to the pool i mean i'm there to compete and practice every day to you know really just give it 100 percent every single day i mean i really i just love to race um i love going out and just competing and just winning i guess <laughs> is the easiest way to put it. Another big thing is like not really being not being afraid to fail at any point because uh, things don't always go as planned. And, you know, after training so hard and so long for, you know, one race, you know, things might not always turn out as I want them to. But it's always just about, you know, trusting the process and just kind of just got to keep moving forward and focusing on on the long term, I guess. Yeah, of course. And now, now you've broken 18 out of 22 of Albany Academy's varsity swimming records. I'm aware there is a little story to the other four others that you have not broken exactly. Do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, like you said, 18 out of 22 swimming records. The two, well, the first two that I don't have are both uh, the 100 breaststroke school and pool record there were actually held by my brother, Braden, who's the fastest. I think this year he was he was one of the top breaststrokers in the state as a sophomore. I mean, that's just, he's, he's just really, really good at, uh, at breaststroke. And, you know, you'll be hearing his name a lot over the next few years as he makes his college decision and everything. So yeah, my brother holds two of, uh, those four records. And then the other two are the 200 and 500 freestyle, uh, pool records at Academy, which are the two, uh, longer, uh, more middle distance events in high school swimming. And this year, you know, with such, uh, a limited, number of meets that I got to swim and such, you know, a short kind of three month season, uh, I was a lot more focused on kind of just sprinting in general, rather than those middle distance and distance events, because, uh, our focus here was, was on relays because, um, we were actually chasing a few state records this year, which we ended up falling a little bit short, but, um, but yeah, so my main focus this year training was just sprinting in general. In meets, I just never really found the time to be able to swim those uh, longer events, take down those records. But it's all good. Not too worried about it. But yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't know you had a brother, and I wasn't aware that he was, you know, a, a great swimmer also. And and that's kind of exciting to see. We'll have to see where he goes, and maybe we'll even get a story about him up in the near future. And if you're 
And in your interview with Jaron, you quoted, swimmers are just built different. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that. But explain that to me. First off, I think just swimming in general, the sport, I mean, it's just like there's really just nothing that compares to it. I mean, it's just so much physical exertion and it's just so it's it's just it's like the only sport that I've ever, you know, played where it really just it's literally uses every single muscle in your body. And I mean, when you combine that with a week that consists of nine practices plus three lifts, you know, when I'm up 4:30 in the morning, you know, going to the pool and having to dive into that freezing cold water uh, when it's still dark outside, everyone's still sleeping. I mean, that can sometimes just be the most, you know, difficult thing to do when it's, you know, negative 10 degrees outside in the middle of January. Me and, you know, the my, I guess, like, the close guys that I train with, I mean, it's kind of just, just put your head down and do it and, you know, enjoy it. But I guess that's kind of what I meant by built different in terms of, you know, I just, I don't really, it, it's just something that not, nothing compares to it, I don't think. Yeah, man, that's awesome and incredible. And it's definitely a sacrifice and one that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be willing to make. And I can say, uh, because it is a hobby for me, it's definitely not one that I would be able to make. But I'm also, you know, not exactly good. So (laughs) (laughs) my favorite athlete of all time has always been Kobe Bryant. And that contributes really little to none about his on-the-floor success, but rather his mindset. And you mentioned something Mm -hmm. when we talked before about the process. You know, you have that competition on Saturday, you have that competition on Sunday, but we need to invest your time in and find love for it is that Monday through Friday, that grind. And that's mm-hmm. where greatness is really made. Talk a little bit about that process. And yes, you're making that sacrifice, but that's what, that's what is important. Kind of everything comes from within in terms of like motivation and, you know, training in general, because I mean, you can show up to as many practices as you want every week and, you can just, you know, go through the motions, not really, you know, try that hard, just, you know, swim through the sets, you know, make the times, finish the practice. And that's that. What it really comes down to is, you know, how hard are you really willing to work and how hard are you really willing to, you know, get after it? Because, you know, it's, it's very easy to just swim back and forth and not really care and just waste your time essentially. But one thing that I've, you know, tried to hold myself to for the last two or three years is, you know, every time that I show up for practice, you know, I'm going to give it, my 100% effort, the whole, like, I'm, I'm just, there's no reason not to, because if I'm showing up and just, you know, screwing around, going through the motions, that's essentially just a complete waste of time. You know, I could be doing something else instead of going and screwing around. But I mean, it's really just about, you know, showing up every day and just giving it as much as I can to eventually succeed. So, yeah. So let's transition over a little bit into, you know, that, that college recruitment process and in NCAA swimming recruitment rules college coaches can start to reach out and recruit athletes on june 15th after sophomore year so tell me when was the first day you were called upon i mean that's that that was always a really important day for me because i mean obviously like you said that's when recruiting starts and i remember i was actually in cape cod on vacation with my family and i mean when i woke up that morning i mean my email inbox was flooded with emails um you know, I had probably like 15 text messages from different coaches. Some even called, but you know, it was it was a really it was a really great day because you know it was really the first glimpse of you know seeing that all the work I had been doing had really started to pay off. As you know, a bunch of schools that I dreamed of going to, you know, were noticed me and you know wanted to talk to me and stuff. So, I mean, that right on June 15th, you know, right from the get go, 
that's when I started my process when I started talking to coaches. And what schools did you end up visiting or considering other than Boston College? Uh, this fall of my soft, the fall of my junior year, which was, you know, a few months after that June 15th date, I took my first official visit to Penn State. Uh, that's the only one I ended up taking in the fall because I was planning to save the rest of them for the spring when I could go visit some Ivies and, you know, just wait and see what other opportunities arose. But, you know, obviously with COVID, you know, there was that whole one year dead period that started in like March. So I never got to actually go through with any of those other visits. But I mean, through throughout the whole process between that June 15th date to when I committed, I mean, I would probably talk to 35 to 40 different schools, you know, and it ended up really coming down to fall of my senior year. I mean, I still hadn't really decided yet because I was just being pretty indecisive. And, you know, it was tough to be able to make a decision without really being able to you know, experience what it's like to be a student and a student athlete at uh, any school I was talking to. But um, what it really ended up coming down to was BC and LSU. And I mean, it was really just based off of, you know, how much I liked the coach, how much I liked talking to the swimmers on the team. And uh, just where I felt like I would be able to succeed the most just based off of the coaches. So in the fall, I flew down to LSU and uh, visited BC and then ended up making my decision to BC after visiting both the places but it was a really long process and you know I was hoping it would have gone a lot faster but you know it just I just couldn't really make that decision without or with uh COVID and everything so yeah well don't but don't don't feel ashamed for being indecisive it's kind of hard when you have that many schools that want you you know (laughs) yeah 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 but you know it's I'm glad that uh I made the right decision and I took my time so Yes, of course. And, and what was that? Mm-hmm. What was that experience like having to go through this process virtually? You know, do you feel like it had a tremendous effect on what your decision ended up being in Boston College? Um, it did a little bit. I mean, I've always just been a super indecisive person, and you know, when it's a decision that's obviously as big as you know where I'm going to be spending four plus years, it's something that you know I obvi- like that I really really needed to like feel like yes, this is the place. And I mean, for a year, I mean, I really just, I, I really was having a tough time getting a real idea of like, you know, where is that place for me when all I could really do was, you know, talk to coaches on the phone, talk to swimmers, you know, on zoom or whatever. But, you know, I couldn't really feel what it's like to be a student at any of those places. So, um, it was definitely difficult. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely did affect me a lot as, you know, it really just dragged out the process for me. But like I said, you know, I'm I'm very happy with where I ended up and uh, ended how it should. So I'm happy. And you kind of touched on it a little bit right there. But what separated Boston College from the rest of these schools that, you know, wanted you so badly? First of all, I mean, like I was talking about, I mean, just speaking with the coaches, I mean, uh, they really just that was really the first thing that drew me in. they really just, you know, they're they're both young, which I was, or not both. I mean, pretty much the whole coaching staff is, you know, pretty young, laid back. Seemed like they have a great environment, great great team, and everything. So I mean, that's kind of the first thing that I was looking for is just like a fun, laid back, but uh, also you know, hardworking environment. And then after that, you know, speaking with the swimmers, I mean, they all just on the Zoom call, like they're all like cracking jokes with each other. You know, it seemed like they were just having fun while you know talking to me. So. 
I mean, really just the combination of those things really, you know, brought them up to the top of my list. And after visiting the campus and just seeing what everything was like, I mean, I already loved Boston as a city. Really, everything just kind of came together. And it was pretty obvious to me that that's the, that's the place for me. Now, one of your options was Harvard. And you said you, you were able to kind of at least entertain that decision. And what made you feel like in the end it didn't fit? You didn't fit in at Harvard. Not like, I mean, not to say that, you know, I'm not, you know, a good student or anything. I mean, like, I consider myself a pretty, pretty good student in general. But, you know, I just felt like going to a place like Harvard, I mean, you know, kind of any Ivy in general. I mean, I, I talked with, I think, six different Ivy League schools, but it's just, I just felt like at the end of the day, I just, I just wouldn't really fit in, I guess, as a student in general. I mean, you know, like if I were to apply to Harvard just regularly, I mean, I would have literally zero shot at getting in. So yeah, yeah, you you wanted to, I just didn't really think I would, you know, fit in. You wanted to, you wanted to be at a school that you felt like you would have been accepted, even if it wasn't for your athletic ability. Right. Uh, I mean, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I just, I wasn't sure how well I would connect with the people there compared to people out of school like BC. So gotcha. Yeah. It makes sense. And you know, that's not much. It's not a, it's not a downgrade, you know, Boston college is a very, very good school academically and mm-hmm. athletically. And, and you'll have a, a blast there and hopefully do very well. Yeah. And you also mentioned mm-hmm. in your interview with Jaron that you have many goals there when you, when you arrive and two of them being in the top 24 at ACCs and hit the NCAA B cut. So top four, top 24 sounds pretty self-explanatory. I think I can get what that means, but Tell mm-hmm. these, tell our listeners and myself, what is the B cut? What, what are you trying to hit there? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, everyone's pretty aware of you know what an NCAA championship is, obviously with like March Madness and like the college football championship and everything no like that. Yep. So, I mean, basically the selection process for the swimming NCAA championships is, I mean, it's a little confusing from an outsider's perspective, I guess. But basically, the way it goes is. To, to swim at NCAAs, you kind of there's there's no like real set qualifying time, but instead they kind of take the top, say, you know, 35, 40 swimmers in each event, depending on, you know, how fast each event is in a given year. So with that, there's two separate time standards that you can hit to be considered to swim at NCAAs. And the first is the NCAA cut, which if you hit that a cut, which, you know, usually every year, probably like seven, eight swimmers in each event will hit that cut that guarantees that you will be invited to NCAAs to swim in that, that set event. So uh, if you hit the a cut, then you're guaranteed you're going to be swimming at NCAAs. And then after those seven swimmers, then, you know, like I said, there's 35 to 40 people that are going to be swimming in each event. So to fill the rest of those spots, they have, uh, the B cut, which if you hit the B cut, then you will be considered for one of those next, those next spots after the, uh, to fill out the, the 35 to 40 swimmers. So it's basically just, it's basically just a time standard and, uh, it's, it's tough to explain, but I got you. I got you. Um, and, and it sounds like, it sounds like whatever it is, you know, it, like you said, it, it's a, hard thing to get you know those are big goals coming into freshman year and I'm sure you believe in yourself too uh, you don't just make goals that are impossible right you, you make goals and hope to achieve them so yeah for sure 
Now, quickly, before I let you go, Bryce, I do want to mention and let our listeners know about our NFL Draft Instagram live event coming on draft night. The draft is Thursday, April 29th at 8 p.m., and we will be on Instagram live at 7 p.m. at Capital Sports MN. That will be me joined with CSMN NFL reporter Mike O'Brien to discuss, debate, and predict the 2021 NFL Draft. You can join us at 7 p.m. once again on Instagram live at Capital Sports MN. Speaking of the NFL, Bryce, you are a New York Giants fan. I hate to hear it, man, but and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, that's that's a little weird to me. You said you love the city of Boston and everything. You know, Giants fans typically don't love the city of Boston. You know, I don't know if it mm. sounds like, sounds like you know, football is your thing, but so you're probably not a big Yankees fan. But, you know, th- those New York to Boston, that you know, those things don't really get along too well, and I hate to hear it. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan for life personally. Lord praise my soul, right? But the Giants sit at 11 right behind the Cowboys in this draft. The noise around the Giants has been going with a playmaker, and that playmaker, from what I'm hearing, will be the Heisman Trophy winner, Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith. And who would you like to see the Giants take in this draft? Yeah, I'm definitely uh, hopping on the Devontae Smith train. I think that he would obviously um, translate as a great player in the NFL, and I think that you know all the Giants need are just I mean, all that Daniel Jones needs really is just, you know, one more weapon to uh, really fill out that offense and hoping that he can make a jump this year too to, uh, you know, become a better quarterback. And I think that Jane, or, uh, Devontae Smith has uh, the potential to help him do that. So, you know, I'm rooting for Giants to take him. All right. Well, only time will tell, Bryce. I want to thank you for finding the time to join me here today, and I wish you the best of luck at Boston College and hope to see you achieve all of those goals you have in mind. I'm sure you will do that, and congratulations on what has been an incredible high school swimming career at Albany Academy, and keep working, man. Yeah, thank you so much. There he goes, Bryce Henkel of the Albany Academy swim team. He will be attending and playing next year at Boston College, so let's keep an eye out on that. All you baseball fans out there, make sure to go check out our two baseball podcasts releasing weekly. We have Start Spinning the News, the CSMN Yankees podcast hosted by Trevor Niffin and myself. That is a great one. You can't miss that. Trevor's going to give us a big reaction. Oh, and that's already out. That came out yesterday. Go check that one out. That came out yesterday, Friday at 12. Make sure to go check that out. It's on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Pods, you know, you name it, it's on there. And you can find that on our website at CapitalSportsMN.com and our Instagram at CapitalSportsMN. Then we also have CSMN's baseball podcast, Call to the Bullpen, hosted by CSMN senior baseball correspondent, my friend David Payne. Episode 4 of Start Spreading the News, once again, is out right now. That dropped yesterday. Give that a listen. And Call to the Bullpen by David Payne drops tomorrow. That's going to be an exciting one, too. Make sure to give both of those a listen. Once again, you can find those at Capital Sports MN. You should follow us, too, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at CSMN. Our YouTube is at CSMN. For all of our great Capital Region High School National Collegiate and Professional Sports News content are all located on there and on our website at CapitalSportsMN.com. Quick shout out to Jaron Frangie, CSMN Media Manager, for all the visuals you may see on our social media and website. The work that that man does is just absolutely incredible, and you can, you know, it's it's there to show. And I don't know where CSMN would honestly be without him. So big shout out to Jaron Frangie. Thank you, man. We appreciate what you do here. Once again, from high school to the pro, CSMN is the Capital Region's home for everything sports. This is host of the Section 2 show, co-host of Start Spreading the News, and yes, of course, founder of CSMN, Kyle Milligan. All right, that's enough out of me for today. I'll see you here next week. Same time, same place. You just can't miss it. Love yous. Peace.
What's going on, everybody? This is Kyle Milligan, founder of CSMN. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Capital Sports MN and find all of our content on our website at CapitalSportsMN.com. Peace out, everyone. God bless.